Welcome back to another edition of the Florida Keys Weekly Podcast and Show. I'm Brett Myers, your host. I want to thank you radio listeners at WKWFAM for you AM listeners that still exist out there. I know you're out there. And our FM listeners on 103.3. Thank you for getting up incredibly early, earlier than I'm getting up. You're listening to this recorded. And uh, for our podcast listeners, of course, you can get the Florida Keys Weekly podcast at keysweekly.com. And there's an archive there. You can go back and listen to our shows like this one. And we have a fun one coming up today. And you can also catch those in this show on your Apple format, Spotify, uh, Amazon, wherever podcasts are found, that's where we're at. I want to thank our sponsor, OMG, which is Overseas Media Group. They do your local websites here in the Florida Keys and Monroe County, social media, SEO, all your digital services. Basically, they are the world of expertise that you need and the local service that you expect, Overseas Media Group. So check them out. Uh, My show today, our show today is going to be a fun show. This is why it's neat. So I've got two individuals with me right now, and we're going to talk about a variety of things. I think this is what makes podcasts so cool uh, and living in the Florida Keys. I've been down here almost 20 years, a good friend of mine up in Marathon. We're in Key West here now. Daniel Samus, he's the chamber CEO up in Marathon. He's been calling me for a few years. He says, Brett, I've got this friend. I know you're a boxing fan, and he has extensive uh, boxing knowledge, background, involvement. He and Mike Tyson are not just good buddies. They're business partners, and uh, I'm going to ask Tom in a minute. Maybe they used to live together and train together and and what have you up in New York. And uh, one thing led to another. He was down here in the Keys, and I have Tom Patty with me. We're going to talk about Tom in a minute. Uh, A little background on Tom is he is now in California. California. He's on the County Board of Supervisors out in California in San Joaquin County, uh, San Joaquin, make sure I'm saying that correctly, and has an incredible resume that he's done out there for some time. And uh, we'll talk more about that. So I won't spend the beginning of this show giving you his resume. Uh, but another thing is he's a five-time uh, state and Golden Gloves boxing champion and trained with the legendary Customato, who, as you all know, was Tyson's legendary trainer and made him who he was. And because we're talking boxing today, and I'm going to jump into our guest quickly, but I want to point out, if you're not a boxing fan, I've got people here very well versed in politics and all things life. You don't have to be a boxing fan, and you can hold me to this as you listen to enjoy this segment. Um, I think you might learn something, appreciate it, whether you love boxing, hate boxing, don't know much about it. Uh, we're going to talk boxing. And because of that, I also brought in Jonathan Crane, who is with the Monroe County Sheriff's Department. He's a captain there, and he is a huge boxing fan, has a different accent than I do, someplace called Boston. He's from uh, Springfield, actually, and has a weird accent and pulls for all the bad teams you love to hate, uh, most notably the Patriots. He's going to join us, too. So with that, it's a big intro because I have two people here, um, but it reflects the 
Florida Keys in general. You never know who you're setting beside, who visits here, who comes here. Uh, unique walks of life, and I've got two of them right here. So without further ado, let me introduce Tom Petty and Jonathan Crane. Tom, you go ahead. Britt, listen, it's just great to be here with you and Jonathan, Captain. Um, listen, I grew up here. My family's from here for decades, so this is home for me to be here summer visiting. I've spent countless days and years coming out here and obviously uh, doing scuba diving, spear fishing, and, and just recreating and enjoying the key. So great to be back. Awesome. I got Jonathan Crane right here. And we could do a whole show with Crane one day. If you live locally in the Keys, you already know Jonathan Crane, Captain Crane, and uh, or maybe his wife, Kathy, who he answers to. But uh, Crane, good to have you on the show as well. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Good deal. I know you're going to weigh in more on some boxing. Now, Jonathan and I love to fight verbally about he'd beat me up in a real fight we love to verbally fight about we we watch boxing together religiously and tom i think knows a lot more than we know which makes this fun but we disagree on every fight just naturally i pull for one guy he pulls for the other guy i think one guy's the pound for pound all-time greatest he says another guy i think one guy we all agree is a great boxing ambassador probably got a lot of people my age i'm in my 40s now i'm over the mid 40 range a guy that pulled a lot of us in during that era was mike tyson um tom i want to go to you because i know there's a lot more to you than your relationship with mike tyson but it's obviously a talking point people would be interested in so i want to start with that a little bit go back to your new york days your father how how did your how far back does your relationship with mike go and uh, tell us a little more about how that's developed so back in 1982 i began boxing in Stockton, California. I was born in New York, but I was living in Stockton. And I knew my interest level exceeded Stockton. I was back in New York and real long story short, um, my dad was trained by Castiamato when he was a young man and we had an opportunity. I communicated with Cus and got on the phone with him and he said, I understand you want to, you, you want, you're boxing. I said, yeah. He goes, what do you want to do? I said, I want to stay in New York and fight. He goes, why do you want to be a fighter? And based on this answer, he invited me to come meet with him. And he said, I said, well, I want to be middleweight champion of the world and I think you can help me. How, how old was he at this time? Cus was 74, 73, maybe. Okay. 73-ish. Yeah, about that. And so had I said, oh, I'll make some money and try it out, I said, I'm not interested. And Cus would hang up the phone. But because I said I want to be a champion, I go down and I sit down with Cus the next day. And it was a reunion with my dad and and he hadn't seen each other for decades. And Cus would talk and explain this new venture, this journey that we were about to take. And like you talk about some people may not be fight fans. Well, this is exactly a reason why you want to learn and understand what fighters go through. First off, every fighter experiences fear. You learn to control that. Like you, Captain, in the you know, in military, there's fear, but you learn to control that. You learn discipline, right? These are factors that you're going to be- develop your character, Cuss constantly talked about, to build that character in a person so that no matter what your challenge or adversity you rise to the occasion and oftentimes you're taking kids like Mike Tyson troubled from the streets and I have no bad story I have a mother and father very good family but I had an affinity for boxing and it brought me there and it brought me through you know, almost uh, almost eight or ten years of boxing to to uh, to grow from in that, that challenge but as Cus would say not all my fighters become champions, but if you apply the same principles that you'll gain 
from this sport, you'll be successful no matter what the endeavor. And just real briefly, you know, positive affirmation, creative visualization. When you first went to the house, Cus gave you the book Zen and the Art of Archery, learning how to control your emotions and your, you know, your mind and your body. But you get to do things like, you know, again, meditation, uh, hypnosis, and just different elements that, you know, what is it that's going to take you to you know, work that much harder than everyone else to be successful? How to use adversity as your advantage, which is, by the way, a new platform Mike Tyson and I are doing right now. We're about to launch a company, a new program. It's an online platform called Champions Corner. And our, real, the, our thesis is using adversity as your advantage, taking that challenge, that rejection, that, you know, the hardships you have and manifesting that to a pathway of success. That's really cool. Now, Going back to Tyson, how old were you guys when you met? Uh, where were you guys at and how did you guys meet? Mike just turned 15 and I had just turned 18 and we now lived and trained in the same house. So we were roommates of sorts and we went to the gym seven days a week. But one thing, I'm going to tell you something about Mike. People, oh, you know, Mike, people think it's a natural talent. Cuss created the style that all of his fighters fought. How to hit, not get hit, but do it in a manner that excites the crowd. If we threw punches and ran around the ring, people kind of get bored. They don't like to see that. So if you can do a style like of fighting, like exactly, yeah. exactly. Wait, who's the Mayweather fan? You are oh, Jonathan Crane. Uh, Jonathan, yeah. I thought I thought opposite. I thought you'd be the aggressive, like a Marvin Hagler guy. Definitely Hagler, okay. without a doubt, without a doubt. But I give I give Mayweather his credit, and uh, we'll get more into him later. Well, I want you to continue with your story, though. But this so is great, yeah. So so Cus was creating and 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 nurtured and has developed the style of fight, and you saw this demonstrated with early Mike Tyson. Okay, you, you can see Mike's change. Mike's style has changed, and his effectiveness in the ring changed in, from the beginning of his career to later. <sighs> So, so, uh, so we were all under that tutelage and, and guidance, but I'm going to tell you the difference. When I'm sleeping at four o'clock in the morning, I heard Mike already training at two thirty, three, four o'clock in the morning. Mike was already training. So you hear about people that get up early. You hear about people that 1% of people in six, in the success, they get up at four o'clock in the morning. That was Mike. Now was that causes, you know, uh, installing that in him or did he bring that with him into that relationship? I mean, I've always heard and you have firsthand knowledge there. You are literally in the origins and I guess right around that age. I mean, Tyson was already hitting the main stage and getting a lot of looks as a late teenager. Right. Uh, And so how much, you know, and Cus gets a lot of credit, if not all the credit for developing him. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but where was he prior to meeting him? And then and, and when did that start kind of coming along into his work ethic? Or was that sort of something he always had? Well, so Cus would never say, oh, get up in the morning, you have to run a certain amount of miles or you have to do a certain amount of things. But as Cus would say, a lot of people say they want to be fighters, but I'm going to judge you by your actions, not your words. Okay. Now, again, Cus didn't care if you did a thousand pushups a day or zero a month. It, that wasn't what's going to make a great fighter. It's learning skills, which Cus short circuit the timeline to be an evasive fighter. Most people will learn boxing on their own and mostly the hard way by, you know, really a school of hard knocks. Well, Cus would short circuit that. He'd make it a, a much faster learning process so you knew how to hit, slip, move, and be evasive in, in a constant perpetual motion. Um, but 
Mike was demonstrating that extra level of interest and that would spawn Cuss's interest to be even more excited and to to um, kind of feed that fire of interest. And as Cuss would say, you know, take that spark and fan it and it becomes a fire. Feed the fire till it becomes a roaring blaze. And that's what Cuss looked for. Yeah, that kind of describes Mike Tyson to a T as he came out. He was a roaring blaze. Now, there's a weight difference there for people who don't understand boxing. That's really not... Uh, a smaller guy doesn't typically jump in the ring with a bigger guy by any means. But did do you have any? Did you ever spar with Mike or you mess around there? With I know you, I know you guys are friends today, but back in his early days, and you guys were getting going. Did you ever uh, punch around with him? Sure, we we got in the ring again. Cuss's style. Two of Cuss's fighters could stand toe to toe in the center of the ring, throwing punches with bad intentions and full force. There was no like yo know, jabbing and slowly moving around the ring. We went at it. No way. And so, but both of us are evasive, so we're both. Both throwing punches and slipping and moving and counter punching at the same time and you know i was a middleweight and i'm fighting guys oftentimes some of my sparring partners that were heavyweights how could i do that well i could avoid the big punch with head movement first off secondly i punched hard enough where they would have to respect me as a fighter. Okay. Now, if you aren't evasive and if you don't punch hard, somebody will walk right through you and pay, pay you no regard at all. But with Cuss's style, you can be quite effective and the bigger guys are easier to fight. Now, we're talking to Tom Patty. If you, you can't see him in podcast land, and I've got Jonathan Crane with me, uh, Tom looks, Tom, I think your bio says you're in your 50s now. Is that right? I am a few months away from being 60. Come on. He looks like he's about 40, if not less, and he's in better shape than most people I know. So he, he backed this fighter talk up. He just has the look. Uh, even though he's a he's a, a county board of uh, supervisor elected official out in California now. Now, I want to get back to Mike Tyson. But when you look at your bio, and where can people find your bio, Tom, if they want to look you up as they listen? Is, uh, so in San Joaquin County, I guess uh, sjgov.org, you'll find San Joaquin County. There's a little bio on me. Yeah, you can look him up, Tom Patty, P-A-T-T-I. And when you look at Tom's bio, there's a story at the top of the bio, and it has all your, you know, it talks about your family and your daughter and all the things you're involved with, which is impressive and amazing that you, the charities and things you support. But at the very top, there's a story about a, a young lady was in a car. You happen to be passing by. I think it made the newspapers there. And a, a guy in the back, I wouldn't call a gentleman, a, a man in the back seat uh, was assaulting her. You witnessed this. You go to the car. You get an altercation. Uh, tell me a little bit about that story real quick. So, yeah, I'll, I'll try. And I'll be brief. I'm parking a car as a designated driver. I've got a date with me and her friend. They're getting out on the passenger side. They don't understand what's going on. As I'm getting out in the middle of the street, not an intersection, in the middle of the street, a car stops and there's this really big guy, a bad guy, punching the holy heck out of a, ba- a girl, a little Spanish girl. So I got out, I knew I had to take care of my two guests, got him inside of where we're going, a little uh, lounge we wanted to go to. And so I come back around and I see this guy, she's out of the car screaming for help and I go running up, not to her, but what do we, what do we do, Captain? We go right to the bad guy, right? Go right up to him. I confront him. He's like, man, what's up with you? I said, listen, I don't know what's going on, but you're not going to be punching on that girl anymore. She needed separation. And I, so I was there to give her that time to get away. And so being the bad guy that he is, he's, you know, he's like, man, I'm under this X, Y, Z. Now, being a fighter, I completely interpreted it. I'm not 
blacked out in rage. I'm not angry about anything. I'm very disciplined. I know exactly. I read the situation. I see his aggressive nature. I see his threat, and I take it very serious. And we and, and I spring into action, and we start exchanging blows. Um, I did get my nose busted and my eyebrow, eye socket broken on that because he had a brass knuckle or something that split my face and and here and whatever happened. But but we fought, gave her separation, and, and I did what I had to do. And as you know, right? I mean, you do it. You you, you already you already mentioned it once with the flight or flight, and uh, obviously you didn't have tunnel vision. You took action. You went right to the culprit, and we applaud you for that. You know, we thank you very much for that because the, with the citizens intervening with something like that, you probably saved a life. So we thank you very much for that, and it, and it should be right at the top of the page where it's at. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, and, and these are just things you do. It's and, and being a boxer, I mean, you see a bad situation, you have to spring into action. Well, and I put that out. It's an incredible story, aside from you hope she's okay today if she's living in that situation. Aside from that, though, I think, again, if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, oh, this is about boxing. I think one of the misconceptions is you have a lot of hotheads who can't wait to punch somebody and show them who who can, you know, out physical or out punch or, you know, take care of business and, and feed the ego when really boxing with the boxer, mon, boxing monta- uh, mentality, excuse me, if I could talk here, is really the opposite, right? You talk about that discipline. You talk about holding your, holding your emotions in and being disciplined, whether it's in the ring or outside. A boxer is completely disciplined. Again, referring just like in, in military, you have to be disciplined under pressure. So in boxing, you don't get frustrated if you get hit because why? Now you're frustrated about something that already happened. Well, what's about to happen, you can't be caught up on what already did happen. So boxing is so split second that you need to remain calm even if you get hit even if you get hurt you cannot be discouraged you can't be frustrated you can't be angry you've already controlled your discipline um, you've already demonstrated discipline by controlling your fear when you enter the ring the night before you were sleepless some people are throwing up in the locker room an hour before uh, they, they fight so there's so much anxiety that a person is going to go through so a fighter does remain very disciplined and we're not there to you know you see these guys are accomplished fighters they're very humble they're very non-threatening They've already exercised their demons and they've learned control. Jordan Peterson talks about that, by the way, that guys need to be, you know, you should be dangerous and you learn to be controlled. And that person's now inefficient and effective as a man. He's a protector, he's a provider, and he knows his role. Yeah, and when we talk about Tyson, who you're you're so close with, um, I want to talk more about that. I mean, again, Tom, you're an accomplished uh, five-time state Golden Gloves boxing guy, champion. Um, your resume, I mean, to make it to that level, if anyone could ever say that to you in a bar or an airport, that's amazing. And then we talk about a guy like Mike Tyson. Um, when did you know that Mike, now you guys, I want to talk about your relationship today and some of your business ventures, but when did you know as you roomed with Mike, sparred with him evidently, which is incredible, I didn't know you did that, talking to Daniel. When did you know, man, this guy, he's got something, he can go places? Mike was very interesting, very uh, introverted, but you could see he was exceptionally, well, first off, he had speed and power is incredible. And he now had, he had focus, he had a purpose. And I have to tell you, boxing at some point after several nose operations, being Italian and it is a contact sport. So I had a couple of nose, uh, a broken nose and deviated septums and such. But uh, so that's eventually why I got out of the sport of boxing because I had other options. Boxing is really, truly a sport for people that have no other option, no other pathway in life. And Mike had no option. Where he came from, from the streets, he had only one single opportunity in life to, for redemption, for validation, for an identity, for 
possible career. He had nothing without boxing. And thanks to Cuss and discipline, having an intent, a purpose, and having somebody as brilliant as Cuss, teaching Mike you know, that, that discipline, the control, uh, teaching Mike how to redirect some of the angst and anxiety. And t- Mike's talked about some of the real brutal things that happened to him as a child. Well, that lends itself to a lot of self-destructive behavior. And most all of Mike's friends are to end up dead or in jail. Mike's not. Yeah. Um, and he's had his challenges, but boxing was a place for him to, dis- to find that discipline and a purpose. And, and so you saw that early on. You saw a focus and intent, a purpose, and you saw that he had, uh, he had exceptional skills, speed, and power, and only because of Cus's style was he able to just leapfrog above the competition. I know you don't speak for Mike, but you're close friends, you're business partners. Um, you read a lot growing up and even to this day that there was two Mike Tysons as a fighter. There was the there was when Cuss was training and then there's post after his death. Um, that Mike and I know some other things happened in his life um, leading up to the first loss that we saw with with Buster. Um, would, would you agree with that? Was he two different fighters? Was that the reason? Was there other factors uh, when in, ter- in terms of Mike's career? I mean, because there, in his prime, we'll talk about this in a minute as we talk boxing and kind of jump from Mike to boxing in general. A lot of people still say in his prime, he may be the greatest ever, greatest puncher ever. Definitely one of those, particularly as a heavyweight. Was he two different fighters? Was there other things? Was it just success? What's your take on that? I'll tell you what I, what I observed. And you start to watch and talk about, you know, success changes people or money changes. Uh-uh. Money and success reveals who you are. And Mike had a lot of dysfunction. Now, while he was able, that very same element that compelled him to work so hard for validation, for an ID, just to, to you know, for revenge, right? That, that taking adversity and using it to, as, a, as a motivating factor is, is a very important element of Mike's life. However, there was also a high level of insecurity, emotional immaturity. There was a lot of um, low self-esteem. So then all of a sudden that person, without a custodian model, without a real strong father figure to kind of help keep him more grounded, you start to give that person millions of dollars. Well, now you're, enab- now you're enabling them. It doesn't matter what your name is or who you are. You've delivered millions of dollars for a person that has some psychological and emotional issues that haven't been resolved. So they, you could work it concurrently, but you have to have a guiding force and without cuss, that guiding force was no longer there. And that really is what I saw more than anything. Yeah. One of my favorite Tyson moments was, you know, growing up in the 80s, Sports Illustrated was still sort of the go-to for sports stuff. And I remember the Spinks fight. There he was on the cover. It says, don't count me out. Very next cover, was it 90 seconds? KO'd. It was very next cover. said KO'd. He was just, for people who don't recall those days, he was such a force um, that no one had really ever seen in my generation. I know if you go back with your father, uh, Tom, and talk about some, some fighters and so forth, we can talk about that. But Mike was just a force, and he changed boxing for a lot of people. He made he, It was really a time when maybe it was, you know, you came out of some big-time fighters and stuff in the 70s and into the 80s he kind of really brought it back for a lot of us and made it something that we all, you know, in the mainstream from video games to the mainstream. I mean, we, we love Mike Tyson. So today you and Mike, Tom, we're talking to Tom Patty. I've got Jonathan Crane here today, Tom, tell me a little bit about what you and Mike do together and what your relationship's like today. So, I really would fashion myself as Mike's big brother. And sometimes Mike calls me the moral compass because it's, uh, you know, sometimes if he's uh, hanging out with the wrong crowd or, or not saving money or doing things the wrong way. Is, I'll, that, uh, is that because 
you guys go back to cuss together? I mean, is that is there, because he's probably had everybody in the world. He's got to be careful as a celebrity one, but he's such a he's one of the most famous people on the planet. He's had he's a got lot of got people trust. come along. Yeah. No, but Mike's had a lot of people come along his life that have taken a lot of money from him in the end, and I have not. I've put more money in Mike's pocket than anything he's ever done for me. Now, Mike's been phenomenal for me. In fact, I, he launched my political career and he's came. I couldn't pay him back for that. I mean, it was Mike's idea to run for office because Mike knows that in our community, in our society, we have to be involved to make a difference. So Mike's at a phase right now in his life. He's opening up uh, charter schools in inner cities which are taking kids with a 90% dropout rate that have a, a GPA that doesn't even register and the, and the success rate and turning their lives around and, and a positive impact in that community is going to reverberate for generations. And you're part of that? I am. Well? Okay. Yeah, I helped, I helped. I put him together with a group of people that are doing that. So we're, we're working uh, in conjunction. That's so cool. And he's such a likable guy. I mean, today, the, the non-fighters know him from Joe Rogan and everything else and him talking about some of his. Now, I have to ask you, uh, are you involved at all in some of his cannabis endeavors? I know he's. He I, am, I am not. Okay. I'm not involved at all, except the ear bite state piece. I'll tell you the story sometime, but I should be getting royalty on that. Sorry, Mike. I'm an Atlanta guy. I was, I was a Holyfield <laughs> guy through and through, but I followed him from the light heavyweight days uh but uh before the steroids yeah well, hey come oh, on uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh. real deal when lee haney's your <laughs> trainer and you go from 180 pounds to 220 pounds of solid muscle yeah, it's it was, steroids yeah you know it was uh never proven uh, so uh <laughs> yes it is let's look at the pictures <laughs> <laughs> well i like this let's transition here let's talk boxing i've got tom tom patty uh i keep trying to say tom needy because he's down here yeah. financial guy but tom patty's here with us um incredible political career that's still going on. By the way, uh, before we jump right into boxing, we've got about 10 minutes here. I've got Jonathan Crane. What's the conversation with you and Mike Tyson, you and Mike, and he talks you in or tells you you should run for office and get into politics? How's, how's that go down? Well, I've been working with local nonprofits and raising money for veterans and children's homes and such for a long time as a local business owner. And Mike was with me doing this. We're bringing him back to the airport. He says, Tommy, I want you to do something. I said, what's that? He goes, run for office. I said, why would you say that? He goes, your community, Stockton, which was number one of foreclosures, high rates of crime and murder at the time, all in the you know, 2008, 9, 10. So he goes, you need to be involved. You business people complain, but you don't get involved enough. And I thought about that and other people started approaching me about that. And I called Mike up. I said, I'm going to launch a career. I'm going to go for politics. Will you helped me do a fundraiser and he did we came to town we did a show and uh, we did the mike tyson show and it was just a it was a it was a launch well, what do most people not know about mike tyson that they should i think the one of the greatest misconceptions and people once you start to get to realize mike how compassionate how caring how giving very soft-spoken very easy guy obviously he has buttons he can be pushed you want to you don't want to poke the bear too much but uh but when I was training him one time, and I've been a boxing trainer advisor for him over the years, and I find him. At, we were training in Maryland at one point, and I couldn't find him after training. He'd be gone, and finally I tracked him down, and he was in a room working with handicapped kids. And he'd go there for like a half hour, forty-five minutes every day on his I own. Finally found him on his own, uh-huh. and he's just in there playing and interacting with these kids. And he's like, "Tommy, he goes, this is what I want to do." He goes, "People don't realize." He goes, "This is where I find all my joy is helping others," and that's where Mike's at right now in life. That's why we're doing this. 
this Champions Corner platform. It's going to be online. You can go there, I believe now even, and pre-register. But we're going to be using uh, a, a, this platform as a mentorship to a better way. Financial success, a better way, a qu- better quality of life, relationships, and, and just being a better person. So if I Google Mike Tyson Champions Corner, that'll bring some stuff up. I can I check think, I think if you go to championscorner.com, okay. I think you'll find it there. I, I, I don't have, we're just launching that landing page soon. Okay, good deal. All right, so I've teased boxing talk. Uh, we've talked about Mike. I could talk to you all day, Tom, about Mike Tyson and your background. You're in political careers, another podcast we could talk about, especially out in California, maybe some similarities to the Florida Keys here. But let's stick to boxing today with the time that we have. I've got Jonathan Crane here. When we first sat down and we made a joke earlier, we talked about... Uh, Maybe who's some of the greatest boxers boxers of all time? Not Mayweather. So Mayweather comes up a lot. Jonathan and I disagree on this all of the time. I think you can make great arguments either way on what constitutes a pound-for-pound fighter. Is it their greatest fights? Is it their record? Is it in their prime? Were they were they unbeatable? Who could who could beat who in their prime? That's always a fun discussion. Could Frazier, you know, Frazier and Tyson, Ali, and you know, and on and on and on. Uh, so your opinion, you, you, have got an opinion about Mayweather. I want to hear that real quick. So tell what's your, what is your take on Floyd Mayweather Jr. Uh, and where does he rank on your list, Tom, of all time greatest boxers pound for pound? I'd put him somewhere in the bottom part of the top 100. It's, listen, it's like football. Okay. In any particular era, you've got the quarterback. Well, who would be the greatest quarterback of all time? If you, if you transcend time, where would Mayweather rank? You've got Henry Armstrong destroying him. You've got Ray Robinson. You've got Willie Pep, Sandy Style. If you want pound for pound, you've got fighters you, that, that would just that would run circles around him because he doesn't even have the quality of fights f- that you would test him. And you say like, this guy's great because of his competition has exemplified greatness, and he's overcome their greatness repetitively. Mayweather doesn't have that. Is he in a class by himself? Absolutely. In a class of boxing, that's void of top tier talent to any spectrum. Think about boxing right now. 17 divisions and four sanctioning bodies. How about you go back to an era when there was eight divisions, eight and one sanctioning body, and if you were champion or anybody in the top 20 or 30 below them could fight for that title and possibly win on any given night of the week. That's a great era in boxing. You don't have that now. And that's a travesty because we want to see the best boxers fight in the prime. We have one of those fights coming up. Uh, before we talk about Crawford and Spence, I want you to def- defend your guy, Jonathan Crane. You're being quiet over here. Come on, Jonathan. What do you got? Let's hear it. Well, first and foremost, I don't think you can choose which area you grow up in. So I know people are going to say that Floyd Mayweather didn't fight the competition or he delayed Pacquiao. Um, I believe that uh, everyone that he stepped in the fight, it was dominant. It, it wasn't even close. And I know that we mentioned the four kings with Sugar, uh, with, with, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, Hagler, Hearns, Duran. But I can go on and say that I think Mayweather would give him a fight with the point system. With the point system. So, um, I don't, is he pound for pound the greatest of all time? No. Does he get the respect that he deserves? From some folks. Not from all. <laughs> okay. So, wait. Did you watch, did you watch Mo, uh, Sugar Shane Mosley against Mayweather? Now you have an older 
a faded Sugar Shane Mosley, who was a great fighter, highly experienced amateur fighter and a dominant pro and a champion of all of, of all levels of respect. And yes. he was working and giving Mayweather a beating on that during throughout that fight. Now Mayweather persevered in, in boxing is a you know is is a long term fight, not just you know one round. But I'm just not I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just not a big Mayweather fan. Smart uh, fighter, a smart fighter, a smart businessman made a credible amount of money and made certain to very wisely choose his opponents at the right level. Definitely chose his opponents at the right level at the right time, without a doubt. Definitely business-wise. Thousand percent. see what he's done. Uh, the shoulder roll, the defense that he uh, displayed, I think is one of the best defensive games that boxing has seen by an individual. Um, you know, I mean... I like to hear your response on that with you being in the ring and having experience. But uh, his defense was amazing. And you said it earlier uh, to hit and not to be hit. And I think that's one of the best things that Mayweather portrayed in the squared circle. Okay, so, so Cuss's rule. The object of boxing is to hit and not get hit, but do it in a manner that excites the crowd. So I ask you, if a guy is doing this, how he's got his hand, his right hand up, protecting his left side of his chin. He's got his left shoulder up and he's doing the shoulder roll. Okay. How exciting is that exchange of blows during the most climactic moment of action? It's not. You, you're right. And I, I do agree that Mayweather's first 20 fights, when he was maybe he didn't fight the competition that should have been out there, but you're building that resume in boxing, as you know, to make that money. Sure. But he was a knockout fighter in his first 20 fights. I mean, after that, he went straight to like the business Mayweather. And that was obviously not the big excitement, but to not be hit. And for that, I give him the credit. And I give him great credit to your point. Listen, this guy could have been much more great, a, a greater level uh, of a fighter. I mean, listen, his fighting, he's fighting Pacquiao and his own father in between, I was around seven, eight or nine. The father's like, man, I don't get you, man. What's the matter? Why don't you get out there and fit, fight this guy, man? What's the matter with you? And he's just playing it safe. He's playing it safe. He risks very little. Smart business guy. Smart because he's looking for his own health, his own well-being. Sometimes, though, in my opinion, you throw cautious to the wind and you're a Marvin Hagler. That bell sounds. You go lot to win, to dominate, and destroy your opponent. Because there's risk the longer that fight goes on that something might happen. So if you're playing it safe, the longer the fight goes on, in risk of something might happening, and you're only going to look for opportunity, to me, you're not exciting the crowd to the greatest level of what they're paying and expecting. Now, we're talking Agreed. about a guy Agreed. that's Agreed. made more money than any fighter in the history of the sport, so kudos to him, not my kind of fighter. You know, we always look at it like this as we segue into yours. Uh, we've got uh, Tom Petty, Jonathan Crane here. I'm going to segue into your top five pound for pounds for times to the top ten. I want to hear that. I always look at Mayweather this way. I could be devil's advocate and say maybe he's the greatest defensive fighter of all time. Give his dad credit there for that. But at the end of the day, we came into a pay-per-view era, and Mike was a bit, Mike Tyson was a big part of that, bringing boxing into this pay-per-view era. Um, I always told Jonathan right here, I always said, look, you know, if he's the greatest of all time or one of the pound for pound greatest, why don't I want to buy his fights? Why do I not want to pay 70 bucks or 60 bucks to watch 12 rounds of this? Good point. Does it mean I'm wrong or right? But again, personal taste. I just, when I think about pound for pound greats, I don't hesitate to get my card out and pay for that fight. Not sure. 
Jonathan's right here. He might say, you don't appreciate great boxing if I don't do that. He may have an argument. So I, I, I see it. But I do want to hear your two, because uh, I, I respect, obviously, both of you very much in your boxing knowledge uh, and opinions. Give me your top five pound-for-pound greatest fighters of all time. Tom, I'll start with you. So you got to give, and, and this is not going to be in a particular order, and I really ha- I give a lot more credit, and you look at fighters for different qualities that they bring that made them great. You know, will, how they dominated, and their, their psychological control so that they impose themselves. So you have to give credit to Muhammad Ali. Mike says, he goes, he's willing to die in the ring and I'm not. And you have to admit, Ali, no matter how hard, no matter what challenge that man faced, he never backed down. I'm not saying he won every single fight and he was, un, you know, he was the undisputed greatest of all times, but you have to give him a lot of credit. But you got, honestly, truly, you've got Henry Armstrong, You've got Sugar Ray Robinson, hands down. And it's arguable. They always say Robinson number one. I'd probably edge Armstrong above Robinson, to tell you the truth. Roberto Duran could transcend time and fight anybody, any era. I, I, honestly, I look back and I also look at Sugar Ray Leonard. This guy was a great fighter. He had tenacity. He was a vicious competitor. He fought with bad intention. He had skill. He had experience that would parlay, no matter who his opponents were, he could rise to that occasion and beat them. So that would be right, you know, that be a quick little round. I think that's four or so of them. Uh, what do you got? Who's your top? Before, I want to hear Jonathan's list before he does that. There's a lot of white, old white dudes out there right now. I can hear Eddie Murphy saying it. Rocky Marciano. You know, where do you put Rocky? There's a guy who was undefeated. One of the, the only, maybe the only other most notable undefeated guys. We talk about Mayweather. A lot of white guys. Oh, he was undefeated. Where, where do you put him and why or why not? Well, you, you have to put him in the top tier. One of the great, great, greats. Undefeated, not by accident. Um, and he imposed his will. No Nobody worked harder than he was just a relentless fighting machine. But he was, you know, he had two left feet. He had, you know, short arms. He was just, I look at him as like, you know, being Italian, I want to love him more than I do. And and I, re- I remember reading his book as a young amateur, like, I want to be great, The Rock, right? You know, Marciano, and this legendary who he was, being, you know, getting to be 49 and 0, again, not by accident. Um, and, and even Ali says, he goes, probably only one guy could beat me, it was Rocky Marciano, right? And he was a guy that beat Liston. And everybody's like, I wouldn't fight listen and so what would listen do to marciano or 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 likewise or even against tyson so these guys all have a special place in that sport jack dempsey i mean joe lewis come on this is greatness and when you can look at sports and end in eras so uh, so it really is hard to when you when you start looking at that next tier it's hard to even say who's not in there because there's so many great fighters all right jonathan crane top five what do you got jonathan let me hear it Definitely, definitely Ali, Sugar Ray Robinson for sure. Um, I got Hagler. Maybe I'm a homer, but uh, I got a quick story on uh, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. He was uh, had a um, had a fight in Springfield uh, that was an exhibition. I was in uh, the front row with my father, and I had my boxing gloves on, which happened to be Marvelous Marvin Hagler, because that was my guy back in the day. And as he was walking by, my dad's like, cover the names, cover the names. And then uh, Sugar Ray Leonard pulled me out of the crowd, picked me up, I was five years old, put me down, and we started sparring. And then he points back and says, is that your dad back there? I looked back, and then he popped me right in my head. (laughs) And and he says, I'm going to tell you one thing, son, one thing. Never take your eye off the opponent. And I never forgot that for the rest of my life. Right. So I'm going to put those two guys there in my number five is going to be Mayweather. I understand where we're at, but as a boxer, he did what he was supposed to do, and that was win fights. He, he made it look easy at times. He fought Caneo, Pacquiao, everyone that was in front of him, Cotto, whoever they were, Virgil T, he beat them. So okay. with that being said, that's my top five. And Britt, what do you got? 
a lot of the same guys. I mean, Sugar Ray Robinson is hard to ever. If you put 50 boxing enthusiasts in a room, there's no way to argue against that. His pedigree, his resume, everything about him, watching him fight. Um, you know, I grew up, I think boxing, you know, is different eras. And it's how do you define, I'm not trying to back out of the question, but how do you define pound for pound? Is it their record? Is it the era and who they fought, their best fights? Or is it how good they were in their prime, even if it was a short window? So uh, you put all those things together. I think Ali is on everyone's list. I love what Frazier accomplished as a smaller heavyweight. Um, you know, he had some bad fights. He had some great fights. Uh, so that era was great. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you've named all the guys. You, you guys did not say Joe Lewis, Floyd Patterson, some of those names there that get into the mix a little bit. But it's hard to argue with those, with, with, with each one of the ones you guys named. Um, and Carlos just, Monzon was great as a middleweight. I mean, you, seriously, you start looking at eras, you could pick out 10 from any decade. That, that would be right there. And I, and I know this may get some, some pushback here. Uh, you know, Roy Jones in his prime until he started losing there near the end of it, you know, was a fun guy to watch and he, but then he started doing kind of the 12 round dances and stuff like that too and left himself vulnerable doing some silly stuff but he was fun to watch in his prime so a guy like that in his prime when he was knocking people out it's kind of interesting making the jumps to heavyweight and doing things like that at his size but uh foreman coming back at his age and beating some legit heavyweights Epic. To, yeah, to retain the title, you know, to get, to, to get the title back to me is one of the, you know, I know they just made a movie about that. Now I haven't watched it, but that story and to watch Foreman, and I, you know, back into that era was pretty fun to see happen as well. So depends on how you look at it. Um, I can't argue with Ali or Robinson. Those would be my top two as well. Uh, I think we all agree on that. Mayweather's not making my top 10 crane. Sorry, buddy, but, but I'm being a hater. I'm being a hater, but would he be in the top hundred? Is that fair? Yeah. He'd be in my top. Okay. Top hundred. It's good. So we agree with that. This is two two good minds. Boy, top hundred. I don't. I, I get it. I understand it, but I don't understand it. A couple things to, to to close out. A couple conversations. One is we talk about Mayweather. The knock on him is you know whether he fought the competition or if he fought them at the right time. He was great at fighting Alvarez early. He was great at fighting Pacquiao way too late. And, and I'm mad because he impact for, for robbing boxing fans. So we're getting to that. Crane's writing it down now. We've got two guys in boxing. If you're not a boxing fan or the average fan, you may not even follow these guys. Earl Spence Jr. and uh, Crawford. Crawford are going to fight, what, in about a few weeks now? A couple 29th. Yeah, so Terrence Crawford. So they're going to fight on the 29th coming up. Possibly the top two pound-for-pound guys right now in boxing are going to fight each other in their prime. Uh, Tom, I'll start with you. Are you watching that fight, A, and B? Do you have a prediction? I'm going to watch that fight, and I'm going to take Crawford. I think he's still hungry, and I think he's he's, he's a dominant force in the ring. He's got a, a incredible amount of experience, and, and I, I, I'm impressed by a lot of the skills I see from him. Great. Uh, going with Crawford. I'm a Bud Crawford fan. That's who I watch and I follow uh, right now. I think that uh, Vegas got the odds right. I think they're at minus 165. And I'd just like to go on and give a shout out to my father. We'll be at the fight. So, Pop, have a good time and enjoy it. Awesome. And by the way, Crawford would beat Mayweather hands down. Oh, man, I got to go with that, too. Um, and Mayweather, Mayweather would want no point, unless he fought him really early or really late, if he could pick pull that off. Um, I'm going to go just to be different, and I'm a big, he knows this, we argue, I'm a Spence fan. Uh, I'm going to go with him. There was the car, the car accident a couple years back that really set him back. Um, he looks like he's put on a lot of weight. I don't know if that's good weight. Tom, that'd be a good conversation for you as a fighter. If that's good weight or bad weight, 
but hopefully that translates to a heavier punch and we'll see what happens. So we'll, we'll reconvene after the fight. I'll put 10 bucks on it. That's about my max because I don't really believe in everything I'm saying. Crawford's so good. But um, we'll finish with this too. So the average boxing fans listening to Tom Patty, Jonathan Crane, we're talking boxing a lot and Tom's stories with Mike Tyson, his good buddy, uh, going back for decades. Um, boxing's gotten more fans notoriety of late because of some of the, I call them gimmick fights. You got YouTube stars, crossover fights with MMA fighters who are great in their own right in that octagon, but boxing's a whole different story. We could talk about that all day, but these gimmick fights that Mayweather is part, a part of and others, good for boxing, bad for boxing. I think it's great for boxing. People are talking about it. Uh, we obviously have uh, Logan, you know, Jake Paul, Logan Paul, they're you know, making names for themselves. Let me tell you, they're coming in fighting and I, I'm an amateur champion. This guy's getting a ring and fighting eight and ten round matches. I'm like, that takes a lot of psychological discipline to rise to that occasion, not only overcome the fears that we talked about, make that kind of commitment, but get in the ring and fight for that duration and be prepared to do that. So he's stepping up against talent. I just saw Nick Diaz a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, training, sparring in Stockton. So he's gearing up for that fight. And, and uh, Nate Diaz, is, is, and he's no, he's no dog. That guy comes to fight. He comes to fight, and he'll fight hard. So it's going to be a great test for that fight. But here, people are talking. People are watching. Yeah. And I, I, I hope more than anything, at some point, we're getting some of the top-tier athletes back into the sport of boxing. That's what's missing. <laughs> Lastly, the biggest fault in the sport right now, unlike, let's say, you want to be a PGA instructor, and you go to a, a, a training center, and you become one of the most highest qualified teachers before you get your graduate of, uh, as, as being a licensed instructor. Boxing has none of that. Unfortunately, it's still the, the school of hard knocks. And any fighter that becomes successful in today's era is not necessarily who, it's, it's who is training you. It's more in spite of who trains you. You've stuck with it long enough. You've gotten amateur experience. You've learned. You've watched. You've put some flares, some intelligence to your game, and you're rising above. Um, but really, the boxing, the sport is void of top-tier athletes, and, and I mean at a high level, especially heavyweights and, uh, and qualified teachers. A lot easier to get into football and baseball and basketball than boxing these days. True. Although... You know, if you can find a gym and practice, there's probably no, nothing better athletically conditioning, you know, for your body than, than boxing. You know, people don't realize that. Well, and, and two things I'll tell you. First off, here's an absolute fact. Two things are going to save your life. Knowing how to swim. God forbid you're ever in a situation where you need to be able to swim to keep, stay alive. And the second is fighting. You need to know how to defend yourself and or somebody that you're with that you're protecting, your family member. Your, now, as many fights as I've been, and I've been in a lot of street fights, defending myself never started anything, but I have stepped up and defended myself or somebody I'm with, and I fought several dozen people in the street, running clubs and such in New York and L.A. That's you know some of the, those numbers. But I've had to fight three, four guys as a tourist that tried to jump me at a bus stop in, in Cancun with a buddy and I. How, you know, how do they out. find the gold? Why, why do these guys always find the golden glove champion to try to fight? I always see these videos. I'm like, you picked him? It's, like, well, <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, this one instance, I knocked out three guys in about two and a half seconds, yep. which was like phenomenal. And, and, and so I know how to defend myself. I know how to protect my daughter or you know, somebody I'm with. So 
So you should know how to swim and you know how to defend yourself. And each parent's responsibility is to teach their children how to be safe under two adverse circumstances that God willing, they never have to face. We're going to have you punch Crane, Jonathan Crane at the end of this and see if he can take it still. Uh, Jonathan, your take on the, on the, the what I call the you know, not gimmick fights or real fights. He's going to, like Paul, for example, is really fighting. He's yeah. a great athlete. Um, is it good or bad if, say, the heavyweight champions taking on a UFC guy instead of fighting Usyk, for example, with Fury? I mean, what's your take, Crane? Uh, I, I'm in agreement. I, I think it's good for boxing because right now they have a heavy competition with UFC. Um, and one thing that UFC does right is that they put the two best together a lot sooner, which obviously takes some money out of the pocket for boxers that are building up that purse to what we're seeing for E-Roll and Bud. But you're having people talk about boxing, and there's more of a chance for a person or celebrity or a UFC fighter to win in boxing than there is into the octagon. Ground fighting is a whole different game. So I'm for it. Bring it on. Bring more competitors. Bring more talent to the sport. And let's keep it rolling. All right. We're going to finish with this conversation because I know Tom's a New York guy. He's got a lot of he's got more stories he can probably tell. I bet you on the podcast. One of the most famous, maybe phantom punches of all time. Sonny Liston. You had Ali. What do you know about that? What can you tell? Was it, was it a phantom punch? There was are, the mob involved? To give, and, and, you know, obviously he, he passed away in Vegas with a lot of question marks around the mob. What, what can you say about that uh, memorable, most talked about boxing moment? There are two takes on it. And I'll say this. And Cuss adamantly defended Ali. Um, and uh, honestly, we could talk boxing a long time. Kastimado and, and Muhammad Ali shared the same birthday. And Ali asked Kast to be his manager on four different occasions. And Kast declined for multiple reasons each time. So, again, that's another podcast, another conversation. But Kast says, he goes, if you look at the fight, Ali throws a punch and it clips him on the, on the tip of, the, uh, of his chin. And that, if that's just enough to cut the nerve, your impulses for your legs, it's a neurological effect when you get knocked down. It's not that you got hit so hard, right? So if your impulses and your nerve center that controls your legs give out on you, you're going to go down. And Cuss swears that that punch, they call the phantom punch, that it clipped him on the uh, the chin. Now, I've also seen people go down. I've seen people try to get up. I see... I'm not seeing a real strong effort to get up off the canvas. So, and I know that there was the Philly mob and this and there's lots. I truly don't know. But... There's perhaps an element of both. Maybe there's enough of a shot for him to go down, and there's enough of a reason for him to stay down. All right. I think Tom knows more than he's saying, but he might incriminate me or himself. But uh, I know Ali was screaming for him to get up, and it wasn't like a, a boastful, you know, it was like, hey, get up, dude. But uh, is it, Crane, your take? Uh, I'm an Ali fan. He got him on the button, like he said, and that, that was it. I'm not going anywhere else with it. All right, let's end with this. It's been a great show with Tom Patty uh, and Jonathan Crane. Before I end with what I, I want to end with, Tom, uh, tell us again where to find your and Mike's newest venture. So Champions Corner, and it might be championscorner.ai. I, I just saw that the other day being sent out. So it's in development and pre-launch phase but you'll be hearing about it we're going to be doing a live show in new york city at the beacon theater in new york uh with michael franzese mike tyson Chaz palmateri and myself on stage and we're going to be launching the platform called champions corner and that's going to be uh thursday i believe it's going to be september 27th thursday if that's the actual date but it's thursday night in new york city we're going to do our official international launch well if you need some friends from the florida keys to join you i know some people that'll come up give us uh, a serious note give us your your what do you miss most 
about Cuss, uh, our best advice he ever gave you. What, what's missing in your life that, that he's gone? Cuss being a disciplinarian and, and a person that was very hard, you never heard him compliment you as a fighter. Like if you're walking out of the room and you heard him say, our fighter's really, he's really becoming a hell of a fighter. You're like, wait, wait, did he just give a compliment? So... Cuss was one of those people that you wanted to constantly, you know, prove and validate. It's like, you know, hey, are you proud of me? Did I do the right thing? Same thing as parents, you know. Hey, you know, I know that when my father passed, I, my, I, was, I was a good man in my dad's eyes, and I made my dad proud. And that was, that, that was very meaningful to me. So, like Mike says, you know, if you were, they asked, somebody asked Cuss one time, or asked Mike, what would you ask Cuss? And, and, and Mike says, did I do it all right? Am I doing okay? And it was just interesting that you know, he and I both still would strive for Cuss's approval. And I'm very proud to have my mom and dad and their approval, of course, but Cuss was this very special person, and he trained champions, and he was a, a champion maker. And I would like to know that I, like, you know, he's proud of me. Awesome. Well, it's been a great show. I want to thank Jonathan Crane, Monroe County Sheriff's Department captain here in the Florida Keys for joining us and talking box. And of course, Tom Patty. Um, if you have some comments, you probably were listening. If you're a boxing fan and have about 40 other people that you're like, hey, you didn't list this person pound for pound. Or what about Duran? Or, you know, Hagler Hearn's my favorite fight. Whatever it might be. On and on and on. Back to the, the, the old days to the new days. Uh, email me at Britt, B-R-I-T-T, at keysweekly.com. Uh, let me know your thoughts thoughts. We will try to get it on our social media page when we talk about this podcast and give some of your remarks on who you think is the greatest pound for pounds of all time or any other boxing stories or questions for Tom. We'll get those over to him. Uh, and maybe some t- questions about Mike Tyson. Maybe he can answer those for you uh, as he reads the social media post as well. I do want to thank our listeners, particularly if you weren't a boxing fan. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope it meant something to you. We'll mix it up some more next week. Thanks for joining the Florida Keys Weekly Podcast and Show. I'm Brett Myers. I'll see you next time next week. Have a great one.